Livingstone Calvary Chapel. I'm glad that you guys are here. If you're new or visiting, we want to welcome you. And um, we're going to be studying through, we're continuing a study through the book of Genesis. And this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. We'll pick back up in verse 6. So if you want to turn there and follow along, if you brought a Bible, you can turn. If not, there's a Bible there in the, in the pockets of the chairs around you or in front of you. And while you're doing that, I want to bring a couple of announcements from your bulletin to attention. The men's Bible studies have started up. Um, we have our men's Friday Bible study at 7.30 in the morning, and we have a men's evening Bible study on Thursdays. Curtis, still don't have the time in there. What time is that? At 7 o'clock. Uh, can you get with Shauna and make sure that gets in there? So 7 o'clock on Thursday evenings, um, a study through the book of Colossians. Also, next Sunday, guys, we're going to be out in the amphitheater, our first outdoor church service of the year. Um, yeah, so bring a chair or a blanket to sit on, and then immediately after that um, uh, meet service, we're going to be serving you guys hamburgers and hot dogs. It's no charge. You don't need to bring anything. We're going to have uh, iced tea and, and uh, bag of chips and a hamburger and hot dog to just eat. And then um, you guys can visit for a little while and then be on your way. And then if you would like, remember a few months ago, a couple months ago, I read, a, I read you guys an article out of the paper about some of the um, problems that we have in our communions surrounding drug use and the, and the negative effects on the children that it has on our community. And we began to pray as a fellowship about what we could do to kind of bridge that gap and reach our community and minister to the kids in the community. And as you well know, if any of you guys have kids or have been here for a little while, there's really nothing for the youth in our community here. And so what we've decided to do is God's opened the door through, through us praying and, and he's provided for some of these things as we move forward. But the old New Horizons building that was on Main Street between 3rd and 4th Street, it's an 11,000 square foot building. The landowner is going to rent to us on a month-to-month basis at a discounted rate. And we're going to convert that 11,000 square feet into a youth community center. Um, and uh, giving the, a, place, a safe place for the kids to come. Yeah, praise God. A safe place for the kids to come, but also an opportunity for a bridge to be built. A bridge from... Those who are in this community who are hurting and are in need for them to, 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 to come to know Jesus Christ through relationship that they build with us. And, and um, so far, it looks like um, everything is in place. We do, um, many of you, so when I said, would you guys be willing to help or support that, um, there's about 95% of you that raised your hands that said you'd love to be a part of something like that as we ministered to the needs in our community, got outside of the doors of our church building and, and looked for the opportunity to do that. So Sunday, next Sunday at 2 o'clock here at the church, and if you want to go home and change and get some stuff settled and, and come back, there'll be time to do that after the hot dogs and hamburgers. But at 2 o'clock, um, we're going to have a meeting here for those in our own fellowship. We're inviting some people from other churches and other people in the community to come as well to um, have kind of an a, a informative meeting about what's going on, where we're at, what we need, and, and how you can be a part of it, and also maybe to get some of your guys' ideas and suggestions as we go forward in this. I, I do want to let you know that um, Justin, who's the worship leader, and his wife, Lori Smith, have prayerfully considered, as I've asked them, and they're going to be the ones that are directing, being the, the facility directors, and heading it up, Justin's already got a website built. Um, it's not launched yet, but uh, God's given us some pretty cool ideas. We're going to have a large stage for our youth group to do youth group services down there on Wednesday nights. Young Life in the community is going to be meeting down there, having their monthly meetings. Lauren Coleman from Young Life has already agreed to do all of the adult training for staff members, in addition to which will be the exact same training that he does already for his, uh, his adult teachers and staff that work with Young Life in our community. Uh, Young Lives, which is, a, is an offshoot of Young Life, where it's, it's for single moms, teenage moms in the community who get pregnant and have children. There's, a, there's also a ministry through that. They've been meeting here the last Tuesday of every month. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but throughout the year, um, uh, they've... And it's, it's really cool. It's sad, but it's cool because they're my neighbors, but they were meeting in another church, and, and what it boiled down to is another church didn't want those girls around. So... I said, you guys are welcome here. So they started meeting here, uh, and um, they're also going to be using that, that same facility and, and with, uh, for, for the young moms in the community. 
uh, young teenage moms. And so it's really going to be a blessing for our fellowship and for, for the community. We're going to have a coffee shop there where kids can get um, uh, coffee, some vending machines, pool tables, foosball table, air hockey, um, uh, TVs for computers, um, seating area. And, and, and so there's a big vision there, and we need God to, to continue to lead us in that. So pray for wisdom, and please mark your calendars to come and be a part of that meeting uh, on June 12th at 2 o'clock. Now, Women's Bible Study is getting ready to start. That's going to be Thursdays at 9.30 on June 23rd. Are you doing an evening one, too? Is there, Vicki? No, no evening one in the summer. Okay. But a morning one in the summer at 9.30 here at the church. We do have our annual family camp coming up where it'll be a, a, a camping trip for uh, your family, and we get to do that together as a, as a fellowship two weeks from now, June 17th through the 19th. These um, flyers here are on the information counter as you head back to the children's uh, ministry area, and it tells you what you need to bring, and it has a map of how to get there um, to where it's at. Where exactly is it at, Curtis, if you had to say by, it's by... 30 minutes outside of Hartzell. So there you go. Mark your calendars and sign up for that. One last thing. Uh, last week we prayed for Sherry. And I know you guys, a lot of you guys have heard different things about what's going on. And I just wanted to bring you up to date um, and um, give a word on, on Bahal's behalf to the fellowship. But um, she's had the surgery three times now. Uh, the first two times were apparently not successful in the right placement of the shunt inside the brain. They did it a third time, and they're still waiting for CAT scan results to see if it's in the right place. If it's not, she's going to have to go through a fourth surgery, so please keep her in prayer. Um, she's doing, she's up and down. Um, um, but Paul just wanted to, to let me, uh, ask me to, to let everybody know that truly he and Sherry are blessed by your guys' concern. Um, by your care, by your prayers, and by your love for them as you guys have all come around them during this time. And um, so please keep them in prayer and uh, lift them up and continue to offer your encouragement and your help um, because it goes back to even our communion thing. We've been given to one another. We're family. And when one of us is hurting, all of us are hurting. When one of us is rejoicing, we all can rejoice. And, and so right now we're, we're have, we all have concern for our dear sister Sherry and for Paul, and so keep them in prayer. And Paul's going to be going back up there this afternoon to visit with her again. Um, she is, she's out of ICU now, Paul, is that right? Or she, yeah. is she out of ICU now? Yeah. So she can have visitors? Yeah. Okay, so talk to Paul if you want to visit just to make sure that there's, that that's all going to work out. And I know that um, Sherry loves people to come visit her. But you have to bring um, a cherry Pepsi or a peppermint latte. It's conditional. Okay, peppermint lattes, and what candy bar is it again? <laughs> just, just candy bars. <laughs> chocolate. Dark chocolate there. See, you guys know her. <laughs> All right, uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. This is where we're at this morning. And when we began chapter 4 last week, we studied through the first five verses, which introduces us to Cain and Abel. And in these verses, we're told about the offerings that they, Cain and Abel, brought before God. And just a real quick summary, we know that Abel bought, brought to God an offering of the firstborn of his flock, and Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And, the, and yet, we know that the only offering that God accepted was the offering that Cable had brought, or Abel. I said that last week. <laughs> the offering that Abel had brought. And that was accepted because it was an offering we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It was an offering that had been offered in faith. And, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And um, so in other words, Abel's offering was accepted because it was in accordance to with what God had commanded. And because Cain had not done this, God did not respect Cain, we're told, or his offering. And as a result, Cain, Cain became very angry, and we're told that his countenance fell. In other words, the appearance on his face dropped. He was discouraged, he was displeased, and it was real evident. And so as we pick back up now in chapter 4, verse 6, we continue to read, And the Lord spoke, and he said, 
to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of or from, or from, you have driven me out from the face of the ground, and I shall, I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. And I'm, I'm always amazed as I read through these verses that even in the midst of this, and, and Cain going, your, your judgment of me, your punishment towards me is unfair, that yet the Lord, the Lord still shows even Cain in this hardened, rebellious state, God still shows Cain mercy. Let's pray. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. God, there's Cain inside of all of us. We have uh, the, the propensity, Lord, to sin, the propensity to have this anger and bitterness to take hold of our hearts. And, and so, God, we don't want to be like that. We want to be like your son, Jesus. And, Lord, we know that as we draw near to you and, and, and focus on you, God, that you take care of all the rest. Lord, apart from you, we're nothing. So, Lord, may we never hide our faces from you because you never hide from us, Lord. May we always have this understanding that you're with us and that you're for us. And may we see and know this this morning as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I think it's safe to say that Cain didn't react so well uh, to God not accepting him or his offering. In fact, we don't even see any concern or any kind of care on Cain's part on what, 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 what God might do because of his disobedience rather, rather than, than heed God's warning to do the right thing. And we see that, that Cain went forward and allowed for his anger even after being rejected and God calling, hey, it's not over. All you got to do is do the right thing. Don't get angry. Don't get sad. Cain totally disregarded that, and he allowed for his anger to consume him. And even though his reaction does not make much sense, it further reveals that Cain, in his heart, did not respect or revere God. Nevertheless, when God gave Cain the opportunity in verse 7, as we read there, to go and to do the right thing, it reveals to us the heart of God. It shows us God's heart, which is long-suffering and full of love and mercy, even when we blow it. God's there, ready to forgive us, to give us grace, to give us mercy, to give us the opportunity to go do the right thing. Furthermore, God's love for Cain is revealed by the fact that God gave Cain this chance to turn from the path of destruction so that his disobedience was not something that would take him down. And God lovingly warned Cain to flee from his anger, telling him at the end of verse 7 that if, that if he that if, if he did not do this, if he did not heed the warning, if he, if he allowed for sin and anger to have its way with him, he said that you will be consumed, you'll be devoured. God graciously warned him. He foretold this to him. And we know that God promises to do the same for us. In other words, when we stand at the place where sin lies at the door, those times when we're faced with a temptation or the, 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 the anger or the bitterness that can take root in our hearts, when we're faced in those moments, the Bible tells us that God will make the way for us to escape, to escape the sin. He'll make the way for us to be able to do the right thing, to go down the right path. But the, but the, the truth is, is we have to choose. God's not going to force us. 
He gives us the power, the ability, the direction, the insight, the enlightenment. And he says, choose, don't do this. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. But do this. And God makes it real clear and evident. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it explains this to us. It says this. When Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. He says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, in other words, and when the temptation comes, God will make the way for you to escape so that you may be able to bear it. But we have to choose. Now, as we look at Cain and his anger, if we look at this and in light of this, we see how ultimately it was what ruled over him. And in light of this, we also need to heed the warning in our own lives regarding anger. There's a warning here that we need to heed. Because anger, it always leads to bitterness. And, and these two things, anger and bitterness, if we allow for them like Cain allowed for them, then, then, they, then they, they consume us like a poison. And that's a, deceptive, that's a deceiving thing. We think that if, we're, if, we are, if, we, if we hold on to our anger and we allow bitterness to take a root in our heart, that somehow that's going to get the person that we're not happy with. But all that it's doing is, is like taking a vial of poison and drinking it for yourself. It kills you when we allow for it to have a place in our heart. Furthermore, anger and bitterness will cause us to respond or to react to situations in, a God, in an ungodly way. And what they do, I know from experience, and I'm sure you do too, is that the anger and bitterness leads us to do things and to say things that we later regret. And sometimes, even in the midst of my anger, I'm, I'm reacting in an angry way, and the words are coming out, and I can see them coming out, and I'm going, I'm going to regret that, don't do that, and it's still there, and it's like, ah! Why? Because at that moment... Anger and bitterness has led me to do and say things that I know are wrong, that I regret. Such was the case for Cain, who did not turn from his anger and became filled with bitterness. And instead of choosing to submit to God, instead of choosing to do the right thing, to repent and accept the second chance that he had been given, Cain only further hardened his heart against God. He sought out his brother and he killed him. And the point is, is we always have a choice. We always have a choice in regards to our feelings, guys. Cain felt certain things and he reacted in accordance to how he felt. We always have a choice in regards to our feelings and in regards to how we're going to react or respond to our feelings, a choice to be ruled by our emotions or a choice to rule over our emotions as we bring them into submission of God. In other words, we have to choose to do or say the right thing in spite of what we feel. And the fact of the matter is that waiting to feel better about something or someone before we choose to do or say the right thing never, never produces a godly response and it never produces good feelings. It never changes the way that we feel. However, when we make the conscious choice, when we make the decision to do the right thing or to act in the right way in spite of how we feel, what that does is that opens up a door for a path, opens up a door that, uh, to a path that we can head down that leads ultimately to the changed feelings that we want anyway. For example, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, you can look, it tells us this. It tells us that we have the ability to exchange a spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. Furthermore, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it tells us that we can rejoice always. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that we can choose to give thanks in everything. Also in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says that we can choose no matter how we're feeling. As a matter of fact, this verse talks about even when we're not feeling good or well or happy or whatever, that we can choose to think or meditate on what is pure, what is lovely, what is praiseworthy, what is of a good report, even when we don't feel like it. And then it tells us in chapter 4, 
As you read on, that in doing so, what that does is that opens up this door for the God of peace who gives us peace that surpasses our understanding to then fill our heart. That we change, that it changes the way that we are feeling about things when we make a decision with our mind to do the right thing in spite of how we're feeling. Now, sadly, there's a large portion of the church society today within the, 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 the kingdom of God who refuse to choose these godly things. And just like Cain, they, 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 they refuse to choose God's way. And because we're more concerned about how we feel than we are about doing the godly thing, many in the world today are dominated by their feelings. And even within the church today, they turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol and attempt to medicate the bad feelings that they have, that we have. Let us take a pill for it. But as we all know, the problem with this is that the medications, the drug or the alcohol, whatever it is you decide to self-medicate with, they only bring a temporary change, right? They only change the way that we feel for a time. And ultimately, in the end, what begins to happen is our dependency is then placed upon a chemical rather than it is upon God who brings brings a true heart change. Now, as we prepare to read through the remaining verses of this chapter, I want to reiterate something to you. I want to point this out because we need to carry this in, our, in, our, in the front of our minds and in our hearts as we go forward into this next, sec- next section. And, and, and what I want to reiterate, what I want you to carry with you is, is that God's desire through all of this was for Cain to be restored. That's what God's desire is and was. And this is why he told them that if he would humble himself and do the right thing, then he would be accepted by God. But instead of receiving the correction and turning back to God, Cain resisted God, and he further hardened his heart, as I said, towards a God, and here's the key, towards a God who loved him. But Cain's actions, as we look at ourselves, are a reminder for us that we too must daily choose which path we're going to set our feet to. Which path are you going to travel? Will we choose to dwell on the things of self or the things of God? Will we choose our pride or will we humble ourselves and receive God's grace, God's mercy, and God's forgiveness? Because we can't forget that no matter what we've done, God's always there for us. And sometimes we think that we've become disqualified for God's love. That that we've done something that's so tragic or we've done it so many times that we believe that God's grace and mercy and forgiveness is no longer available to us. And so we allow that to be something that separates us from the very thing that we need. And as we continue through this chapter, I want, you to, I want to point out really what we're being told about are about chain, um, um, the, the children of Cain, the descendants of Cain. And, and as we see this and as we read about this, we're going to see how they also turned away from God. And as we look at this, here's where the application comes. Guys, we need to keep in mind, you know, waking up daily and making these choices. What are we going to do? Who are we going to serve? How are we going to respond? We need to keep in mind that the choices we make can have an effect on those around us. We're not the only person that's in this this equation. It affects those around us. And more importantly, I think, is that it has an effect on our children and even on our children's children. That's what we read as we pick back up in verse 16. And it says, tells us, it says, Then Cain went, went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city. It called the name of the city after, after the name of his son, Enoch. And Enoch was born to Irad, and Irad begot Mahaljul, and Mahaljul begot Methuselah, and Methuselah begot Lamech. And Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other, or the second, was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabal. And he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of those who play the harp and the flute. And Zillah, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and in iron. And, 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 and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nehemiah. And let's stop there, and hopefully we can make it through that, that many verses as we... I want to get through the chapter, but we'll, we'll shoot for that. Now, a little story. 
As many of you know, um, Chuck Yeager was a famous pilot. And, and in fact, he was the first man to break the sound barrier during a level flight. Great pilot. And one of the aircraft that he flew was called the F-86 Sabre. And he reported one day that when he was flying over the lakes in the Sahara, in the Saharas, um, that he made a decision to buzz a friend's house near the edge of the lake. So he slowly rolled the aircraft over. He was going to do it upside down. And when he did so, he suddenly felt the flap on his wing lock up. Well, that's, if, you, if you're doing that in your upside down position, what that's going to do is it's going to drive you into the ground as you accelerate. Jaeger said, it was a hairy moment flying about 150 feet above the ground and upside down. I could say so. And if Chuck had not been an experienced pilot, the result could have been fatal. But he let off the throttle, and in doing so, he was able to push the nose of the plane up, and the flap came unlocked. Jaeger then climbed to 15,000 feet where it was safer, and he tried the maneuver again. And he discovered that every time he rolled the aircraft over, the problem reoccurred. Yet Jaeger knew that three, or, or excuse me, Jaeger knew um, personally of three or four other pilots who had died in similar circumstances. But to this date, the investigators had been puzzled as to the source of the Sabre's fatal flaw. But with Jaeger's experience, the flap, experiencing the flap locking up, he went to his superiors with a report, and the inspectors went to work. Consequently, they found that, the, uh, that there was a bolt, a single bolt, on the flap's hydraulic cylinder that had been installed upside down. The investigators were able to track down the reason for this defect all the way back to a North American assembly plant where they found one older man on the assembly line who was ignoring ignoring the instructions about how to insert that bolt because, quote-unquote, by golly, he knew that bolts were supposed to be placed head up and not head down. Jaeger said that even though the problem was corrected, nobody ever told the man how many pilots he had killed. Now, I tell you this story this morning to illustrate this further, that a choice to either do or say what is right or wrong can have a long-term consequence on those around us that we may not even ever be aware of. And I suspect that when Cain made this decision to kill his brother and, this, and ultimately to be separated from God, he did not consider in that moment how it would have an effect on him or how it would have an effect on his children, his grandchildren, or on his great-grandchildren. Yet Cain did abandon God. And from these verses in chapter 4, we see that he raised his kids in a like manner. He raised his kids to rebel, to resist, and to resent a loving God. Even to the point where Lamech, the last of Cain's generation, who is mentioned in this passage of Scripture, not only did he rebel against God, he followed in the same footsteps of murder as his forefather, and he took it a step further in that he even mocked God when he did so. Now, when Cain forsook God's restoration and left God's presence, we're told here in verse 16, if you'll look, that he went into the land of Nod. And even though this is a reference to a specific geographical place, it's important to point out that the Hebrew word Nod literally means wandering. So when Cain went out of the presence of the Lord, he went into the land of wandering. And the truth is, Anything other than drawing to near to God, anything other than walking next to his side, next to the side of God, is a place of wandering. And contrary to what the bumper sticker may say, those who, 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 who wander, they're lost. And I'm here to tell you that those who are lost if they're in the wilderness, that they will eventually die unless someone finds them. And the point is, when man lives apart from God, he wanders, 
and he will eventually die. Proverbs 16, verse 25 tells us, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The bolt goes like this, God, not like this. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. I want to point out, as we study through Ken's generations or Cain's generations, that 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 really, as we look at each one of these these sons and grandsons of Cain, that they outline for us this path of destruction that leads to death as we see by them this ongoing separation, this progression away from God from one generation down to the next. And the first thing to point out, as we are told in verse 17, is that Cain knew his wife and she bore a son and his name was Enoch. And as we look at this, we need to see that Cain's wandering and Cain's rebellion only reproduced more rebellion. Rebellion reproduces rebellion. And even though we are not told a lot about Enoch, the name he was given and the fact that Cain built a city and named it after his son reveals to us some interesting things. To begin with, the name Enoch means initiated. And his father Cain was initiating his son into a way of life apart from God. A life that was focused on building a kingdom apart from God and a kingdom without God. And in light of this, we as parents, we need to consider how we are building. How are we building? What are we initiating our kids into? Is it a life that is focused upon building a kingdom apart from God or a life with God? What are we doing with the life that we've been given? Because what we do and where we spend our time is an example to our kids of what is important. It's more than an example. It's a, it's, it's a teaching. We're telling them. We're teaching them. These things are important by what we do, how we live our lives, what we say. And we must see that as parents, we're initiating our kids into a way of life, either a godly life that, that puts the focus on eternal things that endure, or we're, we're initiating them into a worldly life that puts the focus on temporal things that pass away. What are we building on? What foundation? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, it says this, Listen, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that is which laid is on Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. Now, I'm here to tell you that I know that this passage of Scripture is speaking specifically about that day of judgment when God's going to judge our works. But the truth is, it goes back to also, this truth also applies to this life because it tells us, Jesus says that, he says, the wise man is the one who builds his house upon the rock. And Jesus said, my words are that rock. And he said, the foolish man is the one who builds his house upon the sand. The things of this world were passing away. He said, because when the storms of life, when the trials and troubles of life come, which one's going to stand? And he said, it's the one who builds upon my words and does the things that I say. And see, it's a testimony to our kids when life comes, when life happens, and we still are found standing because we built on Jesus Christ. It's a demonstration. It's an initiation for them of what they then too might build their lives upon. Now, Cain's heart of rebellion and his desire to exalt himself is further revealed to us as, he, as we're told that he builds the city and names the city after his son. And, and by this, Cain is really just demonstrating this prideful attitude that says, I don't need God. Look at what I can do on my own. It's an attitude of arrogance. It's really an, an, an attempt to establish his name, to build a legacy and to escape the curse that was spoken to him. But don't trust me, this is what God says. And God says this in Psalm 49, verses 7 through 11. Listen, it says, No one can redeem the life of himself or another to give God a ransom. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. That he should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish, and leave their wealth to others. 
He says, their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, even though they have named lands after themselves. You see, and we do this, and we as men, we want a legacy as human beings, and we want to, we, we even name our kids after ourselves, right? George Foreman, he's got George Jr. and George Jr. and George Jr. You know, in that, I mean, it's kind of comical, but it's this, this, this attempt to extend yourself, to, to, to propagate yourself, to lift yourself up, and men put their names on street signs and on buildings and in subdivisions, and, and, and Cain naming his son in this way, it's a prideful attempt to, to live forever, to, 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 to go on saying, I don't need God. And for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus and called Him our Lord, these things need to be a reminder for us that, that, that everything that we have and all that we are of any good that is in us is, is all because of Jesus. And that apart from Him, that we are nothing. That's what true humility is. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 4-6, through 6, He said, Abide in Me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For with me you can do, for without me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them to fire and they are burned. Now, Enoch who was initiated into this godless way of life by his father Cain, it says in verse 18 that he too had a son. And his name was Irad. And Irad literally means fugitive or wild donkey. And a person who is compared to a fugitive or a wild donkey is, is, is given us this picture of someone who is unrestrained. Someone who's out of control. Someone who is stupid and foolish. And even though all of our kids may have at times behaved badly, acted foolishly, and, dumb, and, and did some dumb things, I'm pretty sure none of us would give them a name that identifies them as this kind of person. If you did, you probably don't love your kids, unless it's true. You fugitive, you wild donkey. Yet we see Cain named his son this. And I think it speaks enough on its own, but I want, to, I want to take the opportunity to point out that sin or a life separated from God makes a person foolish. It makes a person stupid. Sin is deceiving. And when we go apart from God and do our own thing, you know what happens? We wrongly believe that, we're, that, 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 that what we're doing is smart or that it's a wise thing to do. Yet our wisdom is foolishness and more times than not, we're acting like a wild donkey or a fugitive and we don't even know it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, it says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And also in Psalm 119, in verses 98 through 100, David wrote and he said, he said, you... This is what I love. This is why I always say, hanging out with Jesus will make you smart. It will. It does. And, and David testifies to this and he says, You, God, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditations, and I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. So Cain... He had a son named Enoch. Enoch had a son named Irad in verse 18. And then Irad had a son named um, um, Mehujel. And um, Mehujel is a name that means this. In the Hebrew, it literally says, it's, it's wipe out the name of God. Wipe out the name of God. And this wild donkey of a man, this fugitive... Irad was so foolish that he named his son, wipe out the name of God. And in light of this, we see something, being, something more being revealed to us in that a rebellious heart is truly, listen guys, a rebellious heart is truly an adversarial heart. And Cain and his descendants were adversaries. They were those who were against God. And this should remind us of the fact 
that spiritually speaking, there's no neutral ground to stand on. In the kingdom of God, there's no Switzerland. There's no place of neutrality. In the kingdom of God, you're either for God or you're against God. And if a person's not for God, if they're not for God's ways, if they're not for God's will, then they're fighting against God. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, he spoke of this clearly when he said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Now, Mejul, who at the very least betrays one to us who is an adversary of God, he also had a son, and he named his son son uh, Methuselah or Methusel. And when we consider Methusel, that name, which means this, those are dead who are of God or who is of God, we see that Mahujiel was truly an adversary of God. In fact, the name Mahuziel is a denial of God. Really, that's what it is. It's a name that speaks a denial of God, more so the denial of his existence. And you see this progression in, in, the, in just this generation through these names. It's a statement that declares God and his descendants are dead. God is dead. Yet in Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, The fool said in his heart that there is no God. They are corrupt and they have done abominable works. There is no one, none who does good. And even though a fool says in his heart, there is no God, as a common occurrence, we see that um, not so long ago, even in, in a lot of our memories, maybe in a lot of your guys' lifetimes, that there was a whole generation who took this name upon themselves. In the 60s, with the hippie movement, with the declaration of God's death, that was spoken by a whole generation who rebelled against God, and they declared, God is dead. And when they cried out saying, God is dead, it was a proclamation saying that they literally now have a license to do whatever we want. God's dead. And still today, there are those who will not come to God and they will not surrender their lives to God. So, so they deny the existence of God in order to soothe their own conscience so that they may do what they want without any guilt, without any shame. But once again, those who claim these lies or claim this lies, they're deceiving themselves. They're foolish because God is alive. God's not dead. And simply denying the truth of his existence will not bring a lasting comfort to the hearts and minds of those who make this claim because there is a day coming, a day of judgment, when every man will testify and every knee will bow to the fact that God is alive and that Jesus Christ is Lord. Next in the line of Cain was a man by the name of Lamech. Okay? And Lamech literally means this. The striker down, the wild man. And according to verse 19, if you want to look there, we're told as this being a book of beginnings and encountering the, the first of all things or the beginning of all things, we see that Lamech was the first to take for himself two wives. In light of this, we need to remember that with Adam and Eve, God had instituted marriage. And the, he gave us that institution of marriage with Adam and Eve, showing us that it's to be between one man and one woman. God never intended, nor did he give an instruction for man to ever have more than one wife. So we're not in any way to think that just because it's mentioned here that Lamech had two wives, that it's somehow condoned by God. Rather, we should see it as an abomination in light of the fact that it's first seen or shown to us in this ungodly line of Cain. Now, Lamech, whose name means one who strikes down, he was a man who struck down the things of God. That's what we see. He struck down the things of God, and as a wild man, he did it without any regard for consequence. 
And not only did he strike down God's precious institution of marriage between one man and one woman, we also see that he struck down a thing of the, the most precious thing in God's creation. He took the life of another man. And the fact of the matter is, striking down the things of God is what always follows after a proclamation that there is no God. Because those who do this begin to do away with God's sacred, precious things for themselves and, and also to those around them. And if you want to know more about that, I don't have time to read it to you this morning, but go and read Romans chapter 1. Paul in Romans chapter 1, he details this in verses 18 through 32. But what I do want to point out is that Lamech having two wives, it's, it's interesting what their names are because the first name, Ada or Ada, it means ornament. And his, other's wife's, his other wife's name, the second wife, her name was Zillah. And you know what that means? It means shabby. And this speaks so much into the truth of exactly how sin is, guys. In the, in, the, in the sense that sin does not satisfy. Man doing things his way, even though we believe it's going to be the best, it's not the best. It's never the best. It does not satisfy. And Ada, or Ada, the ornament, um, she was a beautiful thing. And such are the things of God for, for us. All the things of God is they're intended to be a blessing. And the Bible tells us that a wife is a blessing. A wife is a gift from the Lord. Yet when we go apart from God and we begin to, to live for self or do the things in a way that seems right to us, we pervert the good things of God. That's all what every sin is. Sin is simply a perversion of what is good. And when we live for ourselves, we begin to pervert the things of God. And in doing so, we, get, we give for ourselves something that does not satisfy, something that is not beautiful. We acquire for ourselves a zilla, something shabby, something that does not satisfy, something that is ultimately in the long term despised. If the worship team wants to come up, I'm going to... I'm going to kind of just briefly zip through these last verses and, and, and close it out. In verse 20 of chapter 4, it tells us that then Lamech said to his wives, ornament and shabby, hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting, for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventyfold. Now, in these verses, we're told Lamech, as we, as we, as we read on and, and take into consideration what we just read in verse 22, there's, there's in verses 20 through 22, some things to know about um, Lamech. Not only did he have two wives, he had three kids. And, and I would encourage you to go and do a word study on the names of these three kids because you see some really cool things there. Um, really quickly, uh, it says Jabal was, the, was a nomad. Um, the father of those who live in, in tents, and that's basically uh, a picture of independence. Is this mentality that says, I don't need anyone's help. All I need is to be out in the middle of nowhere by myself. Yes, Scripture is clear that this attitude is not a good thing to isolate ourselves. On Proverbs 18.1, it says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he, raises, he rages against all wise judgment. And truly, one of the the aspects of a healthy Christian relationship with God is this desire to be in fellowship with other believers, to hang out with those who call upon the name of Jesus, to find encouragement, to find accountability. Jubal, um, the, 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 the second son of Lamech, was the father of all those who handled musical instruments. And, and basically what we see is we see the, the musician in this ungodly line of Cain, we see that, that the harp and, and the, the musical instruments, they were no longer an instrument that was solely for the purpose of worshiping God at, at, at his throne room and as an act of worship or adoration. And, and this, 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 this musician took the things of God again and he perverted it. You know, as we begin to think about that, if, if music was given by God to worship God, to praise God, to meditate on God, we see so much of a perversion 
today because not only music is it not intended for the worship of God now, it's become so perverted that music, many forms of music today, glorify and propagate the sins of man. We've taken the very thing of God and, and we use it to propagate and to edify, in a sense, wickedness and sin. I don't want to rob the last few verses. I'll tie them into the discussion that we go into next week. But, but for now, as we, as we, as we close, um, the, those verses that I read in verses 23 and 24, and you study that out, that's been given a title. It's called the Song of the Sword. And, and it's, it's, this, it's this statement of arrogance directed to be right in the face of God. It's this God, you punished Cain for doing this. I went ahead and did it. And if that's going to happen to Cain, bring it on. Let it happen to me. I've killed. And, I, and, and if that's the case, let me be avenged sevenfolds. And, and this reverence to vengeance spoken by Lamech, seven times seven or 70 times seven, that's used here as an evil thing, and getting back at someone 70 times seven more than they get back at us should ring a bell in our ears. Because it's that very number, that very same phrase that Jesus would speak in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22 to Peter when Jesus told us to forgive. Seventy times seven, the amount of times when someone sins against us. Not to avenge. And I love that because God always takes what Satan, turns to, what Satan intends for evil and he works it out for good. And he does so in our lives. And that's the message this morning, to know that a life given over to God, a life followed after God, is a blessed life. It's an awesome life. But a life from part from God, it leads to nothing but sorrow, destruction, and death. Father, thank you, God, for this time. I know there's much more here, and we'll get back to it next week, Lord, if we're still around, if you've not come back for us between now and then. But until then, Lord, let us be seen as those who are called by your name. Father, those who are in love with you. Father, those who have only hope in you. God, help us to build um, upon the rock of Jesus Christ. To build with things that last for eternity. To be an example to those around us, Father, of your great love for them and for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you guys stand and we'll sing the last song of worship together.